Well, from the years 1879 to 1881, there was a ship, the USS Jeanette, that was on an expedition to the North Pole, which was unknown at the time, captained by a guy named DeLong. And Captain DeLong had decided that uh, he was going to use, or his crew was going to use, a set of maps generated by a scholar by the name of Dr. Heinrich Peterman. And Dr. Peterman was convinced that he had found a thermometric gateway to the North Pole. Think of a fair weather passage to the North Pole without the ice, a passage that would lead them up to this vast polar sea at the top of the world. So 33 sailors set out on this expedition. The reality, though, was, as you can imagine, very different. There was no fair-weather passageway to the North Pole. The ship was quickly surrounded by ice and trapped, and they floated for two years in the ice. They were released for a short period of time from the ice, only to be surrounded and trapped again, and the, sink, and the ship was finally crushed and sank about 350 miles north of the Siberian coast. In the whole process, 20 of the 33 sailors died. It's an interesting story, but it's also an instructive story. Because I believe that almost every person, including those of us here, are on a quest for something. We are searching for something, some vision of the good life, if you will. And every person is seeking something. We all are. For the crew of the USS Jeanette, they were on a quest to get to the North Pole. Unfortunately, they used faulty maps and they never made it. For the cast in the drama today, it was an individual who who died and thought he had it all was pursuing the good life, but again, realizes through hearing the testimony of family and friends that he was pursuing it in the wrong way. Not in things that were bad, necessarily, golfing, planning vacations, practical jokes, but certainly not things that are ultimate, certainly not things that are designed to give life and life to the full. And the reality is that our our culture is constantly selling us maps to the good life. Ooh, here's the good life, and here is how you get it. And many people take those maps and run with them, like the crew of the USS Jeanette. Only they suffer shipwreck along the way, because rarely does it offer life. It cannot. And the Bible, though, really from beginning to end, gives very clear instructions as to the good life. Not the good life as defined by our modern culture, but the good life is intended by God right from the moment when he created the first people. And it's an important question, I think, to ask in life on occasion. What is the path that I'm on? And if I continue along this path, where will I end up? So this morning, I want us to to take a look at a text and reflect upon that question. Where are we going? What path are we really on in life? And where does that lead? 
And again, the Bible, as I said, gives instructions on on this good life, if you will, the God-filled life. And it's from beginning to end. And it runs through all genres of literature that we find in the Bible, from the historical books to the prophetic. This morning we want to dive into a, 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 a wisdom book, the book of Proverbs, and look at what Proverbs has to say about the good life. Now a proverb is simply a short, pithy saying of how to live life well, morally and beneficially. And the book of Proverbs, not surprisingly, is a collection of these statements, most of them coming from Solomon, who was the third king of Israel, uh, but there were some other people who contributed to this as well. And wisdom, by the way, is not, doesn't necessarily mean somebody who's really academically inclined. Wisdom, as we'll see, is somebody who knows how to live well, live fully in the way that God intended. So this morning we're going to be taking a look at Proverbs, and our particular one is going to be Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 13 to 18. First, let's read these. Proverbs 3, verses 13 to 18. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding, For her profit is better than the profit of silver, and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her hand, in her her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. So one thing to notice at the beginning about this is that these verses, these six verses, are actually a poem. They could be extracted and considered a separate poem. But notice the bookends of this particular poem, verses 13 and 18. Notice how it begins, and notice how it ends. Verse 13 says, How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. The first word in here is blessed. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom. Now, it's not so easy to notice in a lot of English translations, including the NASB, but this poem, verse 18, actually ends the same way. Solomon here personifies wisdom in a feminine form. He says, she, or wisdom, is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. NASB translates it happy. That word is actually a derivative of the same word that's translated blessed in verse 13. In fact, the ESV, the English Standard Version, does a really good job at translating this verse. ESV translation says, She is a tree of life to those who who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. So notice that this poem begins and ends with the concept of blessing. Those, that's the first word, and that's the last word. And this concept of blessing permeates the Bible. Psalm 1 begins with the word blessed, the counsel for the man who finds blessing. Jesus, when he's giving the Beatitudes, begins every one with blessed. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The Bible, from beginning to end, contains this thread promising blessing 
to those who seek God. Now, I realize that that's probably not a new thought to most people here. That the Bible invites us to the pathways of blessing. But it is important to remember, because isn't it easy when life gets difficult and challenging to forget the fact that the God that we love and serve is the God who invites us to this life of blessing? And the reality is that life is going to be challenging at times. Those those periods of pain and difficulty and challenge will come. And in those moments, how do we respond? Do we remember at those times, in those times, that God's desire is for us to walk in pathways of blessing? The Christian life is a blessed one. It is joyful, but it's not painless. One of my favorite Christian songs, really of all time, came out about 10 or 11 years ago, and it's written by a gal named Laura Story. And she wrote this song because her newlywed husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Not the way you want to begin a marriage. But because of that journey and what they learned through it, she wrote this song called Blessings. It came out in around 2006, 2007. And it's really the upside-down nature of life with God that what just looks like pain and difficulty are often the instruments that God chooses to reveal greater depths of blessing. Now, I could stand here and sing part of the song to you. However, if you have ever been around me during the singing time, you will know this singing is not my forte or my, not my giftedness. But part of uh, what's up on the screen is the chorus. And I will just read this. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? And what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? And what if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? Those are words from somebody who has experienced deep pain, but has come to see the blessing of God in and through those times. And friends, brothers and sisters, We really need to drive the stake down deeply into that reality that God is good and God is loving. Because not every day is going to feel like that, but those are rock-solid truths with regard to who God is. And when when the waves crash and the storms come, how we respond will be critical. But we see from this poem The beginning and the end and everything in between is an invitation to blessing. It's God's intent. It's his heart to invite humanity to experience and to know his blessing. And then this poem logically answers the next question. Where do we find blessing? Where do we hunt for that? If we want to find blessing, where do we need to look? We find the answer in verse 13. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Wisdom and understanding here are parallel terms. They're synonyms, if you will. But notice that 
the writer says that blessing flows from wisdom. And that's really interesting to me because seeking after God-centered, biblically-based wisdom is not where our culture points us. Our culture will say, no, you seek self-actualization by wealth accumulation, more sensuality, get more stuff that's going to provide immediate pleasure. But the biblical answer, the biblical response is seek wisdom. Seek wisdom. But what is this wisdom that we're supposed to seek? Now for a lot of us, wisdom conjures up those who can get really good grades in classes. And wisdom, though, is more than this profound, deep thought. It's more than just studying. It's more than gathering of information. Wisdom involves knowledge to be sure, but it's knowledge that has shaped the heart. It's transformed the heart and influenced behavior so that our thinking and our behavior comes to look more and more like that of Jesus. So wisdom really is very practical. It involves how we live. In fact, one scholar said that uh, wisdom is the art of succeeding in human life. Again, succeeding not in the sense that the world would define success. Having more. At least stuff. It's having more to be sure, but it's having more of what God wants us to have more of. Him in particular. And notice how how this particular poem ends. In verse 18. Notice the reference to the tree of life. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy or blessed are all who hold her fast. This tree of life reference, what does that point us back to? Points us back to creation account, when God places Adam and Eve in the garden and he gives them everything that they need for life, including this tree of life that has good fruit on it. And the invitation is, come, partake, eat, It's good. The tree of life here is referencing a life of vitality. It's referencing a life of fullness, a life of completeness. It's a life of blessing, what God intended from the very beginning. And wisdom, again, it's, it's not just more information, but wisdom is relational, both vertically and horizontally. But it begins a relationship with God. That's the foundation for this life of blessing that the writer of Proverbs gives to us. In fact, one commentator says this, that wisdom is more than a matter of knowing rules of right and wrong. It's a matter of knowing God. It's a matter of knowing God. And that being central in life. In fact, the word for the Hebrew word that's used here for life is much more than this clinical life. I mean, we have clinical life. We're sitting here right now. We're inhaling, exhaling. We have life. That's not the life that, the, that Solomon is talking about. He's talking about a life of abundance, completeness, fullness, life of peace and joy. That's the life that's offered in the tree of life. And that's the life that promises blessing. And that's the life that God gives us or invites us to. It's real life. Problem is that very often, even we as Christians can live in a different way, where, where 
if we can go to the next slide, where we are at the center and around us in the orbit are different, different interests, different things that we reach out and touch in pursuit of this life, whether that's work or whether that's hobbies. And God kind of becomes one of the things in the orbit. We reach out and touch him on occasion. Then we go about and we live the rest of our life. That's not the life that the writer of Proverbs has in mind. The life that God intends for us is more depicted in the next slide, where God, Jesus, and self live together, but he is at the center of everything that we do. And whatever we do, we do with and for him. Wherever we go, we do with and for Jesus. So when we go to work, that's not separate from God. We go there to work with him. We go there to work for him. When we engage in a hobby, we do that with and for Jesus. But this life of blessing only works when he is at the center with us. And he starts to fill our lives more and more. It doesn't work when self is there and God is just in the orbit is one of the things that we touch here and there. It's this God-centered life. And the world will look at that and say, that is crazy. Why do that? But that's the life of blessing that God intends. That we live this life with him and it becomes this partnership of living together. And when he's at the center like that, his blessing fills and his blessing flows. And the last question that's answered in these verses is the question of why. Why pursue wisdom? Now, today's Family Sunday, so we have kids here, and kids are really proficient at asking the why question. Why, Mommy? Why, Daddy? Why do I have to do that? And Solomon here gives the answer. Why pursue wisdom? So kids, if, if, if you ask your mom and dad, well, why should I swim upstream and pursue God with all my heart when I can follow the ways of the world? Solomon gives the answer. Starting in verses 14 and 15. For her prophet, the prophet of wisdom, is better than the prophet of silver, and her gain is better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. So, first reason to pursue wisdom is it's better than wealth. It's actually better, more satisfying than accumulating more wealth. It satisfies in a way that riches do not. And that's not demeaning wealth, but the reality is that gold, silver, bigger bank accounts, bigger house was never intended to fully satisfy the way that God does. Those things fail. They fail to deliver. Blessing is not found. Richness is not found. Abundance is not found in gold, silver, jewels, more wealth. One commentator says this, that money can put food on the table, but not fellowship around it. A house, but not a home. And can give a woman jewelry, but not the love she really wants. Pursue that which is best. Other reasons to pursue wisdom are seen in verses 16 and 17. Long life is in her hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. 
Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. It's not a guarantee of more financial success, to be sure. But if you want something that satisfies, it's in wisdom. The ways of wisdom are pleasant, and her paths lead to peace. There is a deep satisfaction, a peace and a joy that comes with following the Lord that is deeper than the pain of calamity. So great saints can experience calamity, but can also at the same time experience the joy and peace of the Lord. Because those are infinite, and those are eternal. So wisdom satisfies in a way that possessions don't. And yet the world is going to constantly push that message. Fame, fortune, sensuality. Baby, that's the ticket. If you want life, pursue that. When I was in junior high, I got my first stereo. And the first album that I got, remember albums? was by the band Boston. Their second album. I love that album. I came home every day from junior high and I listened to that album. I'm not kidding. Every day. The lead singer of Boston was a guy by the name of Brad Delp. And Brad Delp, an amazing voice. And from a, a worldly perspective, he had it all. He had it all. It's like we saw in the drama. He had the fame. He had the fortune. And in 2007, he was so miserable that he took his own life. And he left behind a note in which he said, I am a lonely soul. And even over the last few years, we've had a number of high-profile celebrities who followed that same path. People who've had it all and yet have had nothing. They found the emptiness of it because they didn't have the wisdom the life that God offers. So godly wisdom, biblical wisdom, it leads to life, real life, fullness of life, and abundance of life. And Solomon gives instruction to a younger man on where to find that. And it's here, he says, this is the pathway to life. If you want life, look here. And even we, as New Covenant believers, should find encouragement and instruction in this proverb. But we should also be grateful because we actually have something better than the wisdom of Solomon. We have something greater than Solomon himself. Because Jesus is the culmination of wisdom. He is the one to whom all wisdom points. And we get to be recipients of this, this redemption and this life that Jesus procured for us, and we get to be recipients of the life that he mediates. And if you're looking for real wisdom, look no farther than looking at the person of Jesus. Look at how Paul describes Jesus and ties Jesus with wisdom in Colossians 2.3. Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom, and knowledge. And throughout Colossians, Paul's highlighting the supremacy of Jesus. And here he says that Jesus possesses all wisdom and all treasure. In other words, 
in Jesus, in Christ, we have everything we need for the spiritual life of abundance, the spiritual life of fullness that God intended for us right from the beginning. And Paul uses this word treasure. It's a rare word. He only uses it one other time, but he's talking about the value of the wisdom and knowledge that culminates in Jesus and how everything that Solomon had, Solomon had some truth, but even in that, he saw dimly. And in Jesus, we have the fullness, we have the completeness, and he's the one who reveals this life fully to us. So this life of blessing is not found just in gathering more information. Not even gathering more information about the Bible. But it's entering into this relationship with the the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. Look at how Jesus in John 17, 3 defines eternal life. And notice how he defines it in terms of relationship. This is eternal life, he says, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. See, eternal life is ultimately knowing God. And we have this mind-blowing invitation. And it really is mind-blowing. This invitation to enter into relationship with Father, Son, and Spirit. Father, Son, and Spirit, the Trinity, who have perfect love and perfect unity together. And God invites us into that saying, come, know us, experience us. That's fullness. That's life. That's wisdom. So as we close this morning, and we're going to have some songs of response here in just a few minutes, but as as I finish, I encourage you to prayerfully and honestly reflect on this question, and I think this question is in your bulletin. What am I seeking or pursuing to find life that truly satisfies? What are we seeking in all honesty? If you look at how you spend your time and you look at how you spend your money, what does that say about what you're seeking to find life, to find blessing, to find fullness? The reality is that God invites. But in order to find life, you got to dig in the right spot. If you're going to find treasure, you've got to dig in the right place. Peter Kreft is one of my favorite writers, and he says this, that all other things can be sought and not found. Money, pleasure, power, fame, health, peace, security, or worldly success. We could seek it, but there's no guarantee that we find it, he says. Only God is guaranteed. All who seek him find him, but only those who seek him find him. What are you seeking this morning in the quest for life? And it's not just, oh yeah, I sought God at one point in time. But it's a continual seeking, day by day. Seeking him more, because there's always more to know. We'll never exhaust God in the riches of his life and blessing. There's always a greater degree of depth and love to experience. So God invites us to himself. But notice that he doesn't force us. 
we have to choose. We have to choose to reach out and take that life, to take that invitation. Last quote comes from a commentator, Derek Kidner. What it takes, and he's talking about wisdom, what it takes is not brains or opportunity, but a decision. Do you want it? Come and get it. Do you want life? Really, do you want life that satisfies? Do you want life that's full? Do you want life that is greater than a calamity, a joy, and a love, and a grace that is greater than hurricanes and floods? God offers it in and through the person of Jesus. Come and get it. The worship team is going to come back up, and we're actually going to sing three songs. And as we do, use this as a time of response, as reflection. To think about the life that God offers. And are you on the right path to find that life? If so, praise God. If not, Maybe today is the day that you want to respond to that invitation. There will be people up here after the service, and we would love to talk with you. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that you are the God who offers life. Your heart is to bless us as humanity. Humanity that has lived in rebellion right from the word go almost. And yet your heart is still to bless. And in Jesus, you make that blessing possible. In Jesus, you make that life possible. Father, I pray that we would pursue that life. That we would run hard after it. That we would cling to it. That we would take hold of it. That we would hold it fast. Help us to be life seekers. And thank you. Accept our worship now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.